Hey, Shana. Hey. How are you? I'm good. Great. Haven't seen you for a while. I know. We're finally back. We're finally back. Episode. Everybody's at school. Now everybody's on vacation. My goodness, it's been busy. So this is Liz and Shana, and we are the birth nurses, and we have a really interesting guest today. We bring to you Mariah Adifi, and Mariah is an American nurse currently serving in the Air Force. She's at an army hospital in Longstuhl, Germany, and Mariah is a labor and delivery RN and birth educator. Welcome to the Birth Nurses Podcast. I'm Shana Brickner from Preparented, and I'm joined by my co-host Liz Baker-Wade from Birth and Beyond in Santa Monica. We are the Birth Nurses. In this podcast, we talk about birth and nursing practice and labor and delivery, and in a broader sense, the whole world of nursing too. From two women who have been on both sides of the birthing bed, we've got some things to talk about that will enhance your understanding of birth. Whether you're a first-time pregnant parent, a parent to one or more babies, or a professional in the birth world, this podcast is for you. Join me and Liz and special guests as we share and learn from each other here on the Birth Nurses Podcast. got some really interesting stuff to talk about. We're really excited. Hi, Mariah. Hi, thank you for having me. This is so exciting. Yes, I, I love to talk about this. And you're staying up so late for us. Right, <laughs> from LA to Germany. <laughs> well, I'm a night shifter. It's kind of easy. You're a night person and in Germany. So it's very nice of you actually to stay up late for us. And we're very excited to talk to you. Can you give me and our listeners, some an overview of what we're going to be talking about today. What's your thing? What are you all about? Let's talk about this new language. Yes, my thing is fascia. I was introduced to fascia very early in the beginning of my nursing, OB nursing career. I was actually a medic prior to becoming a nurse. When I heard about fascia, I had to do a lot of research. I'd never really heard about it. A lot of my colleagues we it just wasn't our our talk we didn't talk about it so as i was learning throughout the years i fell in love with it i became also a body worker with my role as a rn as well as a birth educator because it really is integrated and and you can't separate it just like you honestly can't separate fascia from any part of the body and when it comes to birth everything is connected and this was one of the connections that i was making that i saw not being made by many many others so i studied it and studied it and practiced with it and practiced with it and integrated it with all the other great things that i've learned through the years through the doula training that i did through my workshops with carol phillips and i could never separate it like it's so integrated and all i can think about is how I want to teach and, and share this with others so we can really, you know, have this great tool that we didn't have before to help us and help us help women. So can we safely say that you think that the obstetricians and then labor and delivery nurses need to integrate fascia work into the narrative, into the education in order to help women better labor and birth, normal physiologic birth, right? Absolutely. So what is fascia? The three of us are RNs. We know, but tell our listeners what fascia is. Where is it? What does it do? 
fascia is fancy word connective tissue and that is it's a part of our body and if i were to just keep it in a very basic level if you think about the tissues that go through all of our body we have muscles we have ligaments we have tendons we have bones we have membranes that that encase our heart and our organs what actually helps these structures hold is fascia fascia is like the the scaffolding of our body like how do we hang on to our bones like if without fascia we literally would just probably fall to the ground and be a pile of of muscles like that's how strong it is. <laughs> I, I, love the, I, I love the visual of the scaffolding. I mean, it completely makes sense. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And so it's like the weaving through our soft tissue and our organs and our membranes. Yeah, think of a spider web, a big cobweb in, 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 a, in a haunted house. It's, it's everywhere. And, and this is fascia. Fascia is everywhere. And it isn't the same everywhere. It's thinner somewhere, it's thicker in other places. And it also is a system. So we have our circulatory system, our nervous system, our lymphatic system, and our fascial system, which actually integrates with all of them as all of them integrate with it. And how does this relate to the laboring person in the labor and delivery unit? What's important about fascia? with the pregnant woman with fascia it is integrated in the soft tissues and very popular is said the bones are slaves to soft tissues so when you have a body that has to open when we think of our pelvic bones actually when we're not pregnant they are very static but there is what we call intrinsic joints and in the intrinsic joints as we get more and more of the relaxing hormone into our body during pregnancy these joints begin to subluxate or move tiny it's very tiny but it's very important because that's another way of giving space so you're giving space internally but you're also giving space externally outside the body where you have muscles and ligaments connected to the outer hips, your sacrum, your sits bones. Because the fascia, if you, like I was saying, it's, it's interconnected. It doesn't just sit in the hips. Fascia is head to toe. Everything in our body is head to toe. Nothing compartmentalized. That's just for books. That's just for us to basically digest it. But we are truly beings from our tip of our toe to the very top of our head, everywhere is connected and fascia is one of the ways. If that's true, which we know it's true, there's fascia everywhere and that it's connective tissue. If we have, let's say, tight rotator cuffs or frozen shoulder or neck pain, that can influence labor because our pathways are interrupted. Correct. If you have a restriction is what we call it. I like to give the example of a sheet on a bed. If you are sharing that sheet as a cover with someone and they decide to pull it, you're gonna feel that. 
you're going to feel the sheet kind of pull off you, move, and it's not going to be where it was at. And then, well, if you want to try to pull that sheet back, but that person is stronger than you, you're not going to win that battle. And this happens inside of our body all the time, whether we're pregnant or not. So if you have something going on in another area, you will, it does have an effect in other areas and growing a baby is one way that we can really get in balance. That's a great picture to have and like a way to connect it all together, no pun intended. Right. But mm -hmm. also the spider web imagery was helpful too because with something so delicate as a spider web, as fascia, there are bound to be like knots, right? Or kind of tangles in it. What's the word for that with fascia? When we get to fascia, we may hear the word adhesions. Um, I will keep it simple with my patients to say trigger points. Um, there's what we call dehydrated fascia, which not really linked to let me go drink a bunch of water and it'll be okay. Definitely hydrate by drinking for sure, but there's a that the method to rehydrate fascia is is with our hands it's with pressure it's with what we call um soft tissue mobilization and that is how i work and this is what i've learned and it's something i felt very teachable and easy that but understanding having a good understanding of fascia first will help with your practice because you'll understand why you're doing what you're doing. So in getting to know you, we were talking about unhealthy fascia and creating restrictions. So we know that in the normal birth process, usually a woman will have that hormone of relaxin and prostaglandin to help relax the pelvic muscles, ligaments, and fascia I now realize to allow the baby to descend or drop into the pelvis. If you have tight fascia or scar tissue, previous surgeries, we know a lot of our infertility moms um, have experienced laparoscopic surgery or if you've had uh, your appendix out or uterine surgery or fibroids, each time you're creating more connective tissue scarring or adhesions. Mm. So how do we work the body into softening up these? Is it actually hands-on? Is it exercises or both? There's a couple of different ways because as me, when I first came across the word myofascial, I was really looking for a way to use it on myself. I actually was having pain in my elbow and wrist kind of area that I couldn't really seem to explain to anybody, but I knew this is my working arm and I need it. I had learned about the myofascial releasing very on a very basic level, like a very sideline release level and nothing else, right? So as I dug further into it, I came across, her name is Sue Hitzman, and she's created her, it's called the melt method system. So I could self release with her system of roller balls and some like bands. And, and so that was one way I learned how to do some rehydrating 
So it's rehydrating because you're using this compression on a, a foam roller that is soft. It's not like these hard ones that, that are super painful. It's a softer one meant to do that compression that we can't give to ourselves with our hands. And then we have the beautiful technique of yin yoga, basically holding a stretch for three to five minutes, letting the fascia like unwind and let go takes time. None of this is rushed. When I do a session with somebody prenatally, when, you know, it's just not in the labor room, um, I'm there for two hours and we're really there on a small part of the body. You can't do this all at once head to toe. It's very like kind of like imagine you're unraveling a knot in a necklace you gotta do a little piece here and a little piece there and then it starts to like finally with a magnifying glass and a straight pen it takes a long time <laughs> yes yeah yeah yes right. it does and especially if there's a few knots right. in it right so and we live a life many of us like have from childhood, even honestly, fascial restrictions can happen in utero. You can be born with a fascial restriction. You can be child playing sports. You have you have people like who fall, <laughs> like anything that we do in our lifetime, overuse, underuse, basically the fascia is impacted. And then when you start your pregnancy, signs to show you that there might be some problem areas are pain and i think over the years women have been told that's pregnancy and i don't agree with it and what i know about fascia i don't think you have to suffer in your pregnancy because you're pregnant i think it's just because fascia was not part of our culture Vernacular, right, right. yeah and we just didn't we really don't talk about it so the professionals that do hands-on fascial work, I would imagine also, let me digress and say that, I think that if you suspect that you have myofascial issues, myofascial pain, myofascial restrictions, you wanna start if you intend on having children, not just when you're pregnant. Mm -hmm. If you don't want chronic pain. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Just deal with your pain. Yeah. I'm Elizabeth Baker Wade. I am a labor and delivery nurse, registered nurse, birth educator, and podcaster. My birth education classes are concentrated on how to have a better hospital birth and high risk pregnancy. What's high risk? What does that mean? High risk are moms who are experiencing histories of chronic hypertension, pregnancy-induced hypertension, we call that preeclampsia, insulin-dependent diabetes, infertility, and other comorbidities in their pregnancy, which bump them into a higher risk category. Mm. Why do you like to teach about high-risk pregnancies? Because there's going to be more interventions often in the high-risk mom. And getting familiar with the vernacular and understanding the risk-benefit of these interventions and why your obstetrician is going to bring them up and getting prepared for what's going to happen in the hospital, I think can really greatly reduce fear and anxiety. And a lot of moms out there have comorbidities these days. That's true. We need to help them out on their way. 
making peace with intervention when necessary helps for a better, smoother labor and delivery. I think. How can someone sign up for your class? They can go to birthandbeyond.net. You can email me at liz at birthandbeyond.net. I will respond within 24 hours. All my schedules, fees, and times are on my website. I also have a consultation membership and a text me anything membership for a month at a time where I will answer as many texts as you need for questions that come up out of the blue. Lots of texts come after the appointment, right? <laughs> yep. <laughs> I just had an appointment with my LB and I what don't understand. Yeah. <laughs> right. I'm at birthandbeyond.net. I have learned from over the years named Tom Myers who wrote Anatomy Trains. He's in his 70s and the way he moves it's clear that it makes a difference from a very young age to as old as we can get and part of us you know kind of using that term I'm just getting old is actually no you just have some fascia that might need to be rehydrated released and let your body go back into its structural integrated state which is structural integration that's really interesting yeah i think when people have pain their immediate go-to is like oh i have to go to the chiropractor or get a massage maybe but that's reaching bones and muscles but the fascia which connects all of it together. Like, would you say that it includes all of those modalities or should fascia work be the first line of defense and then do those other things? My own experience is fascia first, but it's not the only thing to do. There's many other modalities that are synergistic with it. Chiropractic, is fabulous but if your tissues are too tight they cannot get that alignment to happen like just my session alone soft tissue i will just do your feet and maybe up the calves and that could take me an hour and a half it just depends what i find because you cannot rush it where a massage i'd like to say is one of those it is great to keep doing just as a nice relaxing modality because fascia work isn't always relaxing because when you hit those areas of discomfort and, and you're slowly working through it, for me, a lot of my sessions are very talkative. Going through the work and finding that restriction with them, I educate more and more because many people are surprised i will do one leg and have them pop off the table and walk and feel the difference between the leg i worked on and the leg that is congested and they will feel a difference i haven't met anybody who didn't feel a difference and the they say it feels lighter they can move it better it's like wow like i feel off centered and so we go and we, we do the next leg and, you know, or the next leg, the other leg. And, um, and that is, I do that so they have an awareness of how impactful fascia work can be. So the fascia work, I do recommend pelvic floor therapy 
for sure, even before pregnancy, before your first pregnancy, because it is, there's fascia in there. And pelvic floor physical therapists are trained for things such as intravaginal work because we have muscles in there. Even if you have hip pain, intravaginal work can actually help get rid of the hip pain. We've been having an interesting time learning from physical therapists who do pelvic floor work pre and post delivery, yes. Yeah, and I I recommend this to my patients after they deliver and I'm like, you know, it, you know, if you can, we're a bit limited over here, so I if you have to go to the internet world to find help, get help because you know, you shouldn't hurt after birth, you shouldn't hurt in your pregnancy and I I think of health as a puzzle and everybody has a piece and we all play a part and and chiropractic plays a part especially because chiropractic is about the nervous system and the nervous system is integrated with the fascial system and the lymph system you've got your lymphatic drainage people who do that and the chiropractors are helping with the nervous system and our alignment with our bones and the fascia is helping the soft tissue that helps with lymph and the bones and everything is integrated. So one is, you know, not the end all be all. Helping people understand that is important so they don't give up. Yeah, I think that may have been part of my, I was a gymnast for 15 years competitively. And so by the time I was, you know, 22, I think I I was pretty deep in the world of myofascial syndrome. I had a lot of trigger point injections, Mm -hmm. chiropractors. What I could not tolerate was rolfing. That deep tissue massage, I could not tolerate that at all. And so I imagine that in an obstetrical sense that you would have to start really slow over many sessions to work your way up. These days, I'm not sure when it changed. I know many, I would say in 70s or 80s, it was thought you needed to be harsh and painful. And that's not true anymore. You get just as good results. I let my client tell me when it's too much and I ease off. I don't say you have to suck it up and go through it because all you're going to do, honestly, is tense and push me out of your tissue. So you have to go really slow if that's what you have to do. It's completely like guided by my client and what they are willing to tolerate. Because if I work on one foot and it feels great, and then I get to the other one and they're like, whoa, this one hurts. There's your sign, right? That's the pain point. This is where they're restricted. They will ask me, are you pushing harder? And no, I'm not. But this is where you're, you know, this is where you have some issues. So it's going to be uncomfortable, but It should not be where, like you said, I just can't. I can't do it because you won't. Nobody should be crying. (laughs) Right. Yeah, you won't. You absolutely won't. And fascia work includes scar work. And when I start with scar work from the very first time, that one is pretty intense for them too because it has, those adhesions are really like sensitive. But as we go, and I just do like 10 minutes, I don't, It's usually at the end of the session when I have somebody who is a prior C-section or they have scars on their body, I'll just do it at the end. And that's why I'm saying like, this is not, let's go massage and relax. That's a different thing. 
and we all need it. We all need to relax our mind. We need to just kind of decompress in a way, but with structural integration, it's, it is to help. And my client who she wanted a VBAC was like, I want that natural delivery. And it was something that we worked on at the end of every session was her scar. We talked about like prenatal work, but what if someone didn't go to you prenatally and they were just in the labor and delivery room, you're their nurse, how would you know? Well, you did mention that pain is a signal that there's some myofascial adhesions, but are there any other signs that the labor and delivery nurse could look for to know that there's myofascial adhesions or work that needs to be done? Like, would you see anything on the monitor with contraction pattern or can you describe that? I personally believe that prodromal labor is a cause uh, or fascial is the cause of prodromal labor that is the prodromal labor that they look like they're in labor and you check their cervix and it's one centimeter dilated and you're like, Ooh, I would have thought that girl was six or seven. That's a sign. I do what I call my triage protocol when I get that with somebody because if they are in labor and we're calling it prodromal only based on their dilation, I don't buy it. And I will do my protocol, it takes me about two hours to get through it. And because it's all slow, positions and, and I with the positions, I do use the, the, the technique of soft tissue mobilization. And um, they will be, if not five, six, seven centimeters, they'll be complete. And it's not because I think they're not in labor. I think they are in labor and they're stuck. And, and I can tell when they're not in labor and I will still do this to give their partner or whoever is going to be with them in their laboring at home thing tools to use show them how to do it. You can do this every few hours. Um, I usually can tell when somebody is really, it's just the early labor time or when we have discomfort, it's our growing belly and we do these uh, work in the triage protocol, their contractions go away. They're much more comfortable and they actually don't come back because they weren't doing anything except kind of spasming because like around ligament pain or just what I was taught by Carol Phillips was when the broad ligament is got like some restrictions and it's really kind of holding and the uterus may contract and it may do absolutely nothing. So I had a woman, she was going to have a repeat C-section. She came in, she was only 36 weeks, but we thought she was in labor. She was in so much pain, contracting, contracting regularly. So we, we checked her cervix and with her being only 36 weeks, our provider was like, there's, if we can, I'm not going to have a C-section for this lady unless she's in labor because the baby is only 36 weeks. We kept her on observation for five hours and she didn't change. And that five hours was like she was in labor. The end, this was before I created my triage protocol at the end. We had to send her home and I felt so bad for her because she had nothing to help her. And so I gave, I just said, can I show you some things? 
and sh and because we had ruled out preterm labor, I was like, this has got to be fascia, right? It was early in my career, actually. And so I, I did some work on her. I showed her um, husband how to help and, and exactly what I was doing. And she never came back until the day of her repeat C-section. And, and I was actually her nurse. And I said, how'd it go? I was curious. And she said, oh, I felt so much better. And they never came back. And I didn't understand. But when I took Carol Phillips' workshop, I asked her, her, and she it's part of what she does teach, and I think it's her level three, that the broad ligament can cause these premature contractions. And I help release that. I was literally just gonna ask you that. We have so many patients come in with that round ligament, that broad ligament pain in the groin. I had it too. I had in my groin all the and you know all, all the way around I literally took a day and a half for it to loosen up and relax but I wonder how many times we jump to oh it's just broad ligament pain and we don't make the connection between that that usually happens somewhere between like 18 and 22 weeks right I always say right when the patient kind of pops I wonder how much we dismiss that when it really is tight fascia and adhesions trying to break apart and trying to relax. When they're growing, you think the pelvis is not one bone, you know, it's three. And you might have one side antiverted and the other side retroverted. And this woman has to walk and function and hold a, another baby if she's got more. And there's so much demand on her body. I read, his name is Jean-Pierre Barral, and if you get into what's called visceral manipulation, so that's kind of getting into the fascia that's in our viscera. It's a different technique. I do not know how to do it, but I've met visceral manipulators, and I learned from that teaching in the uterus and vaginal area how many connections is going on because somehow that uterus has to sit in our body without going places it shouldn't go. So there's structures that are holding it and making sure that it stays in place. But if that structure has a restriction, it's gonna pull, your body's still gonna try to grow and it's pulling one way and growing another. You can't expect your body not to spasm and act up and say, hey, like, I need some help. That's what pain is saying. Like, please pay attention to me. However, when these things are happening, sometimes when we don't have knowledge of all the ways that we can be helped, we may just seek one modality and it doesn't work. Like you said, rolfing for you was too painful. You either, you know, that was not going to work for you. So you could have given up, say, well, I can't, there's nothing I can do because, you know, there's nothing but rolfing in the world. Or you could have kept going and, and finding, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I went right for the injections. <laughs> yeah, I was like, okay, I'm going, I'm going to the big guns. I, I, I definitely believe that there are people out there with myofascial syndrome. I don't know if it's directly related or a byproduct of or a cause of those other conditions such as fibromyalgia and so on and so forth. But I will say those of us who, yeah, I, I, it has to be. I am definitely a person. I tell the masseuse, 
dump it down by 25%. I'm a sure thing. <laughs> you don't have to work hard. <laughs> Here's what happens with, like you mentioned, you were a gymnast and you grew up and what your body did was mold to the shape it needed to be so you could be a gymnast. You know, like your, your calves would be, stopped being a gymnast your body did not say oh we're not a gymnast anymore let me go back to this new person it held that because fascia is plastic it holds it molds this is why we can remold it and free you it is frozen shoulder not a thing if you watch tom myers work like he's amazing and that's why i was so like attracted to what he was doing and I said, this is needed in labor and delivery because it makes a difference. And I did it, I, I grew up doing it in labor. That's how I learned. And I kept thinking, you gotta do it before. And then when I learned more about fascia, it was like, you gotta do it even before, before. Eliminating chronic pain at a minimum, but prenatally, it's so important before you conceive it's so important it could actually even help you conceive because of how the sperm swims through if you have a fascial restriction and it's pulling your cervix into a direction that that is going to be difficult for sperm to get there it's um, and that's from the book i read of uh, urogenital manipulation by jean paul Burrell, osteopathic work. That's osteopathic work. So structural integration or rolfing or those are soft tissue mobilization. Those are like, like their, their history is from osteopathic work. And so everything, it's not just like, oh, just I found this and it connects to nothing. Like um, Ida Rolf had learned from these different areas and just created structural integration. And she is the creator of it. She is. Hey, this is Shana Brickner. I'm an international board certified lactation consultant, and I want to let you know something really exciting. I can accept many more insurances for lactation visits now. If you have Anthem, Blue Cross, Blue Shield, Cigna, Oscar, United Healthcare, or TRICARE West, and soon Aetna and HealthNet, then it's likely that we can have six or more lactation visits covered by your insurance. This can be a home visit or virtual visit if you're not in LA. If the financial side of things have been holding you back from setting up an appointment with me or any other lactation consultant, don't let it. Email me or go to my website, which is www.preparented.com to schedule a visit with me for any lactation issue. This could be low or high milk supply, clogged ducts, pumping issues, latching issues, bottle feeding, tongue tie or lip tie, using a nipple shield, positioning difficulties, introducing solid food or even weaning. I can help you with all of those things and I would love to help you reach your breastfeeding goals. Reach out to me at preparented.com or email me and my link is in the show notes. Hope to hear from you soon. So is it safe to say, which, you know, I have said this, and I'm sure Shana and you, all of us are birth educators. Sometimes people come to us at 37, 38 weeks and want us to show them how to have 
a birth that's completely outside of who they are and what they do and their past. And I always have to tread lightly on that conversation. <laughs> However, I do believe more and more that we have to address our body and our past pain, our present pain, injuries, previous surgery with a multifaceted integration before we get pregnant or early as possible to get your body ready to be able to comfortably and successfully gestate. Yeah. When I'm working on somebody prenatally, I recommend Cairo. I recommend pelvic floor therapy. Um, for the two hours I got them, we are talking and I'm educating and they come to me because they want a good birth and they have good births when they come to me. And that's where I have just seen the, the amazing um, changes. It, it doesn't just, it's not just their body, it's their confidence, it's their mindset. When you're not in pain, you sleep better. When you sleep better, you're a stronger person. You have more clarity. And, and this is, it's so integrated. You can't, like, there's just not one without the other. And, and making that, helping them know that, you know, you, there's help for you, but you may have to go to three different people. And if you're willing to do that. That's the thing also, you know, women, people, pregnant people are not going to get a present day, especially in the United States, labor and delivery nurse that's going to have the time or the staffing or the wherewithal to understand this unless they've been trained. Right. So you have to come with a body of knowledge having done the work. I mean, we're, we can barely get you know enough doctors to send their clients to people who teach evidence-based practice, much less get deep into, no pun intended, fascial release right. and um, structural integration, certified rolfers, um, you know, thoracic mobility, like this has to be done early on. So for our listeners, these, uh, these are new words. Actually, we've heard them, but we haven't taken a deep dive in and we will be talking to Mariah some more yes. about how to get deeper into this and kind of maybe help us narrow down the three top people to uh, help us investigate our bodies before we start to have children. Thank you so much. This was a very, very interesting. Lots of new words today, yes. huh? So helpful for our listeners to understand and for us too, yeah. me too. I learned so much from you, Mariah. And yeah, really thankful for you taking the time in Germany, across the world to talk to us today and we want to have you back and yeah dive deeper into how labor and delivery nurses can implement this kind of work um with our patients where do we get trained yeah. what do we do how do we even go out into our communities and find those people yep we look forward to talking to you again thank you so much any last comments or yeah things that we didn't talk about that you wanted to, like your final oh, finale big can of worms there. <laughs> I do have an online course of dysfunctional labor maneuvers that if somebody wants to I recently was so excited 
was approved for 9.25 CEUs, nursing CEUs, for this course. And it's online at my website, mariahdyfee.com. And it also gives eight CEUs for the International Childbirth Association, so Education Association. So if you're looking for CEUs and you really want to, you, yeah. We will be posting that on our websites. We will be suggesting it to our new tips. That's transition into practice nurses. Um, absolutely. Oh, we will put it, in we the will, show notes. Absolutely. We'll put them in the show notes. And I'm very interested in that class myself. Thank you so much. Well, thanks so much, Mariah. And we will be uh, talking to Mariah Adaifi again as we dive a little bit deeper into fascial work and all kinds of interesting integration to help new moms and moms-to-be and people who are thinking about becoming parents. And this is going to be interesting. Thank you so much. Very good to see you. Thank you. That was a really great interview with Mariah. I learned a lot, and I think we'll be able to really apply this to the labor and delivery setting and the hospital and even beforehand uh, with our clients who do birth classes. How do you think you'll apply this in the labor and delivery unit? Well, I have to say that having had a couple of C-sections and my appendix out when I was young, um, I now think about adhesions in a different way. So I might question my patient, have you had laparoscopic surgery, especially with such a high rate of patients who have gone through the IVF infertility road, where there's been laparoscopic surgery. So have you had fibroids removed? Have you had your appendix removed? Have you had previous abdominal or uterine surgery? Which is kind of part of the history and physical that the doctors will usually have in their medical record. But I think of it in a different way now. And what I've learned is that myofascial connective tissue work and the idea that connective tissue injury, i.e. you know, an insult, i.e. an insult into your abdomen, um, influences how we labor and how we approach dysfunctional labor. Yeah, I think when I used to ask those questions, you know, as part of our admission questions, I would just think, oh, this increases your risk for a C-section. Instead of the other side of things like, okay, this lets me know that you may have some adhesion, some scar tissue, and maybe we need to do some gentle massage or sideline hip release to work out those adhesions. And then beforehand, I mean, this really comes into play when we teach our birth class clients, um, asking those questions and then referring them to someone in our community who does this type of body work of myofascial release. Seeking out the body workers, chiropractors, myofascial release, pelvic floor, all the people that you and I have been talking about for these dozens of podcasts. It really is a team effort, isn't it? It totally is. Last night I was just doing a Google search for um, osteopathic doctors in the area. Have you heard of osteopathy? I think I'll I'll be seeking that out for myself because I have scoliosis and just like really tight back muscles and a stiff neck, all the all the things I'm sure you're familiar with. Oh yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so yeah, this was a really informative episode with Mariah, and I hope that we'll be able to apply this in our own lives and as well as our patients. 
Yeah, we got to get the teachers out there and find out who's doing a deep dive into this myofascial connective tissue work. Everybody out there, think about if you've had previous uterine surgery, previous abdominal surgery, back injury. And really what I found really interesting is when we talk about neuropathways, for instance, if you've had knee surgery, that may influence how you walk, your pelvic musculature and the supporting muscles and ligaments around your pelvis. All of those things sort of seems like a cascading event into what possibly could influence labor. So think about that and uh, seek out the right people. And hopefully Shane and I will be able to bring you some of those people in the coming episodes. I want to try something new. We've never done this before, but I want to read a review from Apple Podcasts or you know, the podcast app uh, that someone left for us on our birth nurses reviews. So this is from CGC12345. Don't know who that is, but it says, so helpful. Five stars. A friend turned me on to this podcast and I've listened to every episode. I love that it's two L&D nurses that are the hosts. They are so helpful in walking through the things that happen in the hospital from the moment you walk in until the moment you walk out. I feel like it's so important that pregnant women are knowledgeable and informed about what happens at birth. And Shayna and Liz give just the right amount of information so it's not too overwhelming, but you also can feel empowered to advocate for yourself and trust your medical team. This is a must listen. And I just want to say thank you so much for that review. And we, you know, we have, we're busy ladies. We have our own lives. And this podcast is meant to be a resource, a free resource for our listeners, for our clients. And we may be a little bit slow to, to churn out the episodes, but we're still here. We're still, you know, thinking about ways to serve our listeners. And we hope that you guys will stick along with us for the ride. And um, yeah, absolutely. We have a lot of really interesting things coming up in 23. We're going to talk much more about nursing and what happens in the labor and delivery. And hopefully we can um, appeal to our registered nurses out there also to empower themselves and to join us in making labor and delivery a better, safer place to be inside the hospital setting. Exactly. Well, thanks, Liz. Thanks, Shana. We'll see you next time. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Birth Nurses Podcast. If you enjoyed this, there are a few ways you can support us. First, you can share this podcast with your pregnant friends or new moms. Secondly, you can write a review and rate us on iTunes. And thirdly, we would love if you would check out our Instagram accounts and websites. I'm on Instagram as Preparented and online www.preparented.com. And Liz is on Instagram as Birth Nurse Liz and her website is birthandbeyond.net. Thanks for listening.